Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Blue South. We've got a super exciting episode coming your way today, but first, let's get into some news headlines. More than 226,000 people have died from COVID-19 in the United States as of today, according to data from Johns Hopkins University. As of today, there have been 38,074 new cases and 505 deaths due to COVID-19. This comes as the United States sees another surge in cases, largely due to the Trump administration's inadequate response to COVID-19. All of this is raising questions over whether we will be able to open back up come 2021 and, uh, you know, have some kind of return to normalcy, if you will. And before we get into this, like I say, after reading every single news headline that I've ever read, before we get into this, um, I think I want, I want to point out here that we are mirroring a lot of what's happening in Europe with a two to three week delay. And you would think that the scientists, well, the scientists are communicating this with Trump saying we're headed down the same path that they have already crossed. You know, maybe we can take action. But like I said, and like the media has been saying, Trump simply refuses to listen, accuses them of uh, conspiring with the Democrats. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm more pessimistic now. I don't think we'll – I think this, this whole lockdown, school shutdown type thing is going to continue well into 2021, unfortunately. I mean, and when you consider vaccines being pushed out, it's going to take a while as well. Uh, it's just unfortunate that we've gotten to this point. So, Yeah, and with yeah. All, all – my school's actually going back to in-person school um, – yeah, sometime in November. But I guarantee you, given the Trump administration continues to do nothing, someone's going to get sick. There is going to be another outbreak because this is across Richland County. This yeah. is in Columbia, South Carolina. That's about a that's what something in the neighborhood of 80,000, 75,000 kids. Yeah. If something happens and there's another district wide covid outbreak, we're just going to be right back on square one, which is why yeah. I think all these governors conspiring with Trump. You know, pushing the reopening of schools in the absence of proper conditions could have some catastrophic effects. Yeah, and it's a little different for me because I live in a more densely populated area, you know, in the D.C. area. So that, that's even harder for them to reopen schools just because of the population density and how fast COVID can spread there. But, um, you know, I'm going to move on. Let's, let's move on to the next headline. Um, over 65 million votes have already been cast in the United States. That beats the 2016 pre-election day vote count of 58.3 million votes. This is making Democrats optimistic, but Republican voters are more likely to say that they prefer to vote at the polls on election day compared to their Democratic counterparts. All indications point to a close race come November 3rd. But in most battleground states, however, young people are turning out more than they were in 2016. And because Democrats tend to do better among this age group, this is definitely a major factor to take into account as election day nears. All told, Donald Trump will need his base to show up big time in crucial battleground states like Pennsylvania and Florida, while Joe Biden will need minority voters and suburban women to get him over the finish line, something that Hillary Clinton had issues with getting suburban women to vote for him for, or for her. So, right. Uh, yeah, go ahead, Paul. I mean, there's been a big focus on the role of suburban women in these elections who a lot of times, I mean, I don't necessarily want to play the stigma card here. But per stigma may follow the, uh, I want to say, the pressures, for example, of their statistically more conservative husbands in suburban areas. I mean, I sound like I'm stereotyping here, but if you look at, you know, GIS data and, um, you know, general demographic of suburban areas, you see a lot of the males tend to be more conservative than the females, right? 
And um, a lot of this, what we're seeing here is in the advent of Donald Trump's, uh, you know, miserable failure as president. Uh, they aren't as afraid to speak their mind, given that they have all this evidence and all this yeah. backing as to them not being in support and, of the, and, a Trump and, presidency. Um, not to mention Trump's, you know, attacks on the women and stuff like that. I, I think oh, that that's definitely yeah. been seen more and more throughout his administration. I think that's definitely alienated a lot of suburban women. So, like I said, Joe Biden needs to do well with those suburban women in order to, um, you know, really carry himself across the finish line. So, right, exactly, and. uh yeah, well, folks, enough of that. Joining us today is Susan Skog, author of the book Your Voice Matters, Stand Up, Speak Out. It's great to have you on the show, Susan. I'm a, so thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me. So, Susan, to be completely honest, we are super familiar with the direct content of your book. Now, I know the main premise is amplifying the voices of young activists speaking out on major world issues, important issues, um, but could you give us a rundown of what all this entails specifically? Absolutely. I wanted to amplify and shine a massive spotlight on some of the leading young voices now who are affecting change, uh, who are speaking out, whether it's for uh, right now getting out the vote or for climate change uh, action, for gun control, uh, sensible gun control laws. I wanted to do a book that really uh, captured some of the leading voices, but also serve as a guide to help anyone, uh, any young adults reading my book who wanted to speak with greater confidence, greater clarity, and greater impact. So it's it's a combination of those, and it's it's just been incredibly uh, wonderful to see it roll out in schools and youth groups uh, and, and in clubs across the across the country. Yeah, that's really interesting to see the impact it's having. And um, what specifically inspired you to write this book? Were there any key events that led up to this or things you witnessed, perhaps? You know, I had a sense about three years ago, have, what, you know, seeing, witnessing what we all now are experience, experiencing, the fact that young people have something to say, young people are rising up, you're claiming your power, you're, you're rising up to make a difference, whether it's in civic engagement now, in this record shattering year for early voting among young people, or in just you know, deciding that, that some policies and practices are, do not serve you and, and the entire country or the world. So I saw you know, that young people were claiming their power and, and, and using their voices, but I felt like I wanted to see if I could do a book that could support you. And you know, in my generation, I'm in my 60s, frankly, and I wanted to really do something that would stand with you, show solidarity, and help you, uh, you know, help you use your voice with even greater clarity and confidence and impact. So that was my goal, and it's it's been fabulous to to do so. Well, well, I can tell you, Susan, that we really appreciate that as you know, Generation Z, and you know, you know, the youth of this generation. And that kind of brings me to my question: How how does the youth of our generation, the youth of this generation, right now? kind of differ from the, the youth of generations prior in terms of their activism? Absolutely. You know, I think there are key differences. I think that your generation, of course, grew up with so many factors that now influence your activism. Uh, you grew up with uh, everything from, you know, endless wars. Uh, you grew up with basically political, you grew up with things like the rising student debt that many people are right. seeing. 
Um, you grew up with climate change that was unaddressed, you know, so much inertia around climate mm -hmm. change action. You grew up in era of school shootings. And so, you know, many and you many of you after 9-11 became immediately more awake to the fact that the world was more connected and that there were a lot of things that are tenuous and precarious. So I think that your generation also grew up, of course, with just technology at your fingertips and the idea of social connectivity. So you uh, have learned how to express yourself with much greater passion and clarity uh, and immediacy and, and have learned how to broadcast that globally. So I think there are so many key differences that have allowed, allowed you, thankfully, and we're all grateful that, that you have led the charge in so many ways uh, on so many key issues right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. And like what, like what we discussed earlier in conversation, you know, all this activism we're seeing on, for example, TikTok and Instagram and uh, youths generally speaking out for what they feel is right. And I mean, like we said, I'd like to reiterate my appreciation for you trying to amplify that. And um, another question I have, um, have you had any experience in uh, witnessing activism on on social media and how has that affected, you know, what went into the book, if you have had any sort of uh, firsthand experience with that? You know, I've seen, for example, I, I went to after the uh, Parkland shootings in Florida, I went to um, some rallies and events here in Colorado where I'm based. I uh, went to a large one in Denver where some of the Parkland students spoke um, and I've gone to other events. And to me, that was like seeing up front and up close how quickly uh, students, uh, young people galvanized around that issue and started advocating in very smart ways, in very connected ways, um, in very uh, systemic and grassroots ways to, again, advocate for sensible uh, gun control laws. So, you know, and seeing then that ripple out across the Internet, seeing that ripple out through the, the social media that you described, it, it was just an immediacy and an urgency that really uh, showed me that, that, again, what your generation is capable of doing and now seeing the impacts that the Parkland students have had. And, you know, not only in, in getting some changes in legislation, but now in getting out the vote, too. You know, it's it's the Parkland and other students who who started early on in registering uh, young voters at their events. And so, um, you know, I think we're seeing now the impact of that as as many of those uh, students who now are voting for the first time. So I think there's just, that's just one example. And Greta Thunberg, of course, with climate change activism, I've gone to rallies and events uh, around that as well too. And, and of course, seeing that ripple across, just seeing how just one post on social media, starting with her work in Sweden, then rippled out overnight across the world. So it's, yeah, I think we're living in that time when, when, uh, any, if, if anyone has an idea and a passion and smart um, uh, intentions and plans to, to uh, implement them, amazing change can happen. And people are so hungry, I think, for the leadership that, that you're providing, too, in your generation. And, you know, as you were talking about like, the Parkland school shootings, you know, that's, you know, of course, with gun control. Um, and, and based on, you know, your talks with youth, uh, your talks with teenagers and just young people in general. Uh, what do you what do you think is the biggest um, what, 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 what do you think is the biggest issue, um, world issue or, you know, just national issue that 
uh, young people most care about? You know, my sense in speaking with, for example, middle school, middle school and high school students, I've talked to uh, a lot of those that age group, and I would say climate change, um, climate change, uh, because they see that the they're they see that their immediate world is affected. And they also see now, you know, we've had Colorado where I've lived has been on fire uh, th this summer. It's just been uh, horrific. So yeah, terrible. And, and students, you know, a lot of students early on, you know, 11 year olds have said to me, we know that this is happening. You know, we're, we are aware at our age that this is happening and that we're going to have to assume some leadership around that. So yeah, climate change is a big one. Um, and then also, you know, just the sense of, of social justice. Uh, a lot of the kids are, again, are 10, 11, 12 year olds just have this innate sense that things are not fair and they do not like it when certain people are too vulnerable or are, are uh, uh, harassed exactly. or, um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a lot of issues are coming to the forefront for sure. Exactly. And in terms of matters of social justice, something I've seen rather unfortunately from a lot of, uh, well, not a lot because there aren't that many, but from the portion of Gen Z with more, and I don't necessarily mean this on a political scale, with more conservative viewpoints in terms of perhaps uh, denying climate change, uh, being against, you know, progress, denying the existence of systemic racism. A lot of what I've mm -hmm. seen is them calling you know, assigning the term uh, snowflakes to people who speak out on these issues, saying that they're uh, fear-mongering or being overly sensitive. What advice do you have for any listeners that get called things like that when they're speaking out, things like Black Lives Matter and climate change, and when they, when they express emotion in general? Oh, what advice do you have for people like that who get called snowflakes for yeah. That's a fabulous question. And, and that's, again, why I wrote my book. Like I have a whole chapter on on that about speaking your truth and speaking truth to power and not letting up. You know, I, I say that, quote, pushback is part of the process that no matter how, you know, if you're speaking your truth, if you are advocating for what you believe and if you are standing up uh, for others, you will you invariably will get that pushback and you will get people, whether trolls or critics or naysayers. So I say basically, you know, claim your power, own that power, assume that you're going to get that pushback and keep your eye on the prize. Do not let that criticism and um, that pushback stop you from what you believe in. Just assume, you know, that it is part of the process of being an activist and it's not easy. Um, you know, I say, speak your truth as, as someone once said, even if your voice shakes, um, but keep taking steps toward your goal because you have to keep your eye on, on what you believe in. And then other people will rally around you. You know, I found it, as I speak my truth, for example, I've had that same pushback, but it is amazing how people will come and rise up and rally around you because they're always looking for someone to be the first, right? Um, you guys find this with just with your podcast. I so applaud what you're doing because it was so needed and we need people to be the first, even if there is pushback. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And amen to that. Yes. And um, if I could just ask one more question, um, Susan, you know, going, uh, mm -hmm. you know, going 20, maybe 30 years down the line, um, how do you envision political leadership will kind of look like with young people kind of joining the, the political fray and, you know, 
getting into positions of power and leadership, how do you think the world and the nation as a whole will kind of change 20 or 30 years down the line? You know, I think we'll absolutely see the role of younger leaders. Um, we'll see, you know, right now we're seeing th this older, white, uh, more conservative leadership, and, and we're seeing the, um, the suffering that that is causing. We're going to see uh, greater empowerment and trust uh, in young leaders uh, because they are so on fire for what we need right now. And I think we're, you know, it's obviously going to be so much more diverse, more racially diverse. Uh, we're just going to have more women, uh, women and men sharing yeah. power. I get excited about that. So I think we're going to see, you know, you were talking about the suburban, suburban women and you think about the young women now, the young girls who are influenced by what's happening. Right. So absolutely. We're just going to see greater, a greater sense of just shared power, and, and uh, you know, what I see in New Zealand, for example, with the prime minister that they have, it, it, we're going to have more compassionate power. We're going to have more humane power that also recognizes our role here in the whole global, um, uh, whole global sphere. So it's, it, I think it's going to be quite exciting. You know, it looks, things look uh, rugged right now and there can, you know, it's easy to fall into despair, but I keep saying, you know, keep, keep the faith. We were made for this struggle. And from this struggle, I think we'll see some incredibly beautiful things, including uh, young leaders coming forward. Yeah, that's absolutely wonderful, you know. And so, Susan, to be, oh, wait, no. Yeah. So, Susan, uh, unfortunately, we are out of time at this point. But, um, okay. you know, this has been such an enriching experience, really empowering and inspiring to see how you despite not being a member of Gen Z yourself, have uh, put your best foot forward in an effort to amplify our voices. Uh, you have been named an honorary member of Gen Z in my book, yes. I guess. But, um, <laughs> Me too, yes. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for That's, joining us. You know, thank you for that honor. That's a yeah. beautiful honor. Um, feel thank free, you, feel free to join the Fortnite Xbox party anytime. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> um, yeah. Fabulous. To, to all our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to stay tuned for future episodes. We're pumping them out. And remember to check us out on Instagram. I'm Ronan. And I'm Paul. And this has been The Blue South. The Blue South is made possible by David Vandele, who created our theme and also by the graphic designer who rebranded our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Gustavinsky8. And of course, special thanks to all of our listeners and Instagram followers. You are what keeps the Blue South going.